Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. Exciting. This is exciting. I'm all rubber faced. Uh, back at it. <laughs> Hi, everybody. It's Jungle Jim Jerome with yet another episode, a post world men's curling episode. Uh, Kevin was there all week. We're going to talk about a bunch of stuff. Uh, we want to thank all of you for listening. And uh, we want to thank me for showing up. <laughs> I just came off a 15 hour drive. I was out Warren's way, but I thought it'd be, oh, I'll just drive out there, you know, from Edmonton. Casually. Yeah, it was seven, eight hours, maybe something like that, 15. <laughs> uh, anyway, back at it uh, for another week, and what a week it was. Thanks very much, of course, to our World Curling Hall of Famers, Kevin Martin and Warren Hansen. We want to fully recognize all our sponsors and thank them very much. Sports Interaction brings you what is happening around the curling world. Nestle Boost, the sponsor of Mailbag, Coyote Tractor, brings you Hot Rock Topics, and Goldline brings you in the house, which is our guest spot, and we have one today, a very good one. Also, Hearing Life, who sponsors What Are You Hearing? So here's what's on the show today, world men's curling champion, Bruce Mowat. We got an email from Eleanor, uh, who's got a very interesting question that the boys are going to tackle. What's happening around the curling world? Um, Ottawa just did conclude with, uh, looked like a fantastic event. Uh, we'll look at the final results. Coming up, the Princess Auto Players Championship is underway in Toronto. Kevin's down there. We're going to look in, in on that. Hot Rock Topics, we got an interesting message from Chris Marino about why different events have different amounts of curl mandated. And we're going to answer that question of why. I never thought it was any different from event to event, but I'm wrong. New segment, what are you hearing? What we're hearing that, is that a couple of teams are making a change, and we're going to bring up to speed on that. We just keep getting better and better guests all the time. And today is no exception. This is very exciting. This spot is called In the House, brought to you by Goldline. Goldline Curling is proud to be the founding partner of United We Curl, a nonprofit focused on expanding diversity in curling. Learn more at unitedwecurl.com. And in the house, come on in, Bruce Mowat. Congratulations, man. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing well, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm pretty tired. <laughs> yeah, I've, and you just came off the ice. You had to go right to the uh, right right to Toronto for the Grand Slam yeah. event. You know, I've I've got Scottish heritage. God, it was great watching it. The crowd was fantastic, of course. But there were a lot of people waving Scottish flags. That must have been cool for you. Yeah, it was amazing. It wasn't just our friends and family. I think I don't even know where they were getting the Scotland flags from. If they had brought their own or if our fans were handing them out to them but a lot of people ended up waving them in the crowd so it made it really special for us just because there was a lot of obviously Scottish heritage in Canada so yeah a lot of people were supporting us and it was really really special for us. Sum it up Bruce how did you do it how did you pull it off? I guess the experience helped us we've been at a lot of championships and we lost a few games early and we knew not to let it affect us so we kept our heads held high and kind of grinded through the playoffs and 
we didn't expect to get the one two going into the last day because I think we need Nicholas Adin to lose both his games and mm-hmm. you know that's had that happened and um managed to get the second ranked spot and a bye to the semi which gave us a rest which was nice. Congratulations, Bruce. Wow. Thank you for taking the time. I can't imagine you know what you're going through right now <laughs> with the, the events so close together and dealing with all the people like us that are bugging you to talk. But I, I want to walk you back because it was such a good game, the semifinal against Italy. Mm-hmm. And the thoughts when Joel didn't have any time left. He was maybe at, I don't know, 30 seconds or something when your, yeah. your rock comes to land. But he was just going to draw for two. And in the booth, we're going like, there's a split. But then he sees the split. Your thoughts at exactly that time when you see he's drawing for two, which is a which is great. You have the hammer and the extra. But no, he's changing his mind. I think it was Amos that noticed it. And when I was kind of sliding past after I'd kind of hit his stone into ours, I had this kind of sinking moment <laughs> where I was like, <laughs> oh, no, here we go. <laughs> I think we've just lost the semifinal of a world men's when we were in complete control just of the kind of the ninth end and the tenth end. It was not a nice feeling. Obviously, you expect them to make it, and he was centimeters away from making that shot, and it really didn't sit well, and it still doesn't sit well. I'm like, why did we give him that chance? So, yeah, <laughs> uh, we're just very fortunate that it didn't come off. The building was so electric because both your team and Retornas are super popular. Like You guys have been to Canada so much lately, and both have won so much. But you guys are battling it out. And there was Canada, of course, on the other sheet. And people were worried about Canada. But your game was really exciting. And then to measure, for goodness sakes. I know. <laughs> to measure, is it a bite or is it not, right? <laughs> yeah. Because the final, in my opinion, once you got to Deuce, and you guys played so good. You have won. You've won five Grand Slams. You've won two of the players, which is probably the toughest event to win in the world. But that world, you get to the world final, and, and you guys just played tremendous thoughts about your team i mean what can i say like the last kind of five six years with the guys has been unbelievable we started with a kind of dream of going to the olympics and um hoping to win it and you know we were very close to making that accomplishment last year and we had to bounce back off what was ultimately a disappointment even though we were meddled at the olympics um we came back this at the start of this year and had a very slow start we had a few kind of injuries as well, so eventually got over the line and started to see some results come back. And the boys have just been absolutely amazing. Like they've really stuck together. They've encouraged me. They've supported me. I wouldn't want to do it with anyone else anymore. It's just they're so much fun to be around, and I've got so much confidence holding the brush for them. And every time I sit in the hack, I'm like, oh well, I've got two of the best sweepers to make my shots for me. <laughs> I don't need to throw it that close. <laughs> I just let go, and they do it. <laughs> Go ahead, Warren. Well, congratulations again, Bruce. Uh, huge accomplishment through, uh, we were talking earlier about the fact that uh, any one of those six teams, I think, that made the final playoffs could have ended up being the winner. It was that close between all of them. Yeah. One more time, there's been a lot of talk this last week about sweeping, carving, knifing, taking off pebble, whatever the case may be. How effective do you think sweeping is today when it comes to impacting uh the ability to make a shot or not make a shot and, and what kind of shots is it the most effective um well for us i think it's the 12 kind of weight so like back line to dead hack weight i think we can either really hold it on the inside or we can make it move on the outside and i think both of our sweepers have really improved this season on it i don't think i realized how effective they were 
or as much last season as I did this season. And especially at the Worlds, I thought like Ami was really getting it going when he had to carve, uh, you guys call it knife. When he was able to get that thing going, it, it went crazy. And we missed so many line calls because of it. We would over curl it. And, you know, it kind of became a bit of an art for me and Grant to have to try and call those lines. And I just think the sweeping has really improved this year. And obviously everyone's trying to get stronger and fitter. And it's really um, making our game more athletic. And the teams that are really putting in the effort in the gym are starting to see the benefits because you see the Italians like they've got two absolute machines at their sweepers and they've come way through the ranks this year I think that proves it what sort of a surface do you feel the uh, sweeping is the most effective on a harder one a softer one something in between I think when it's championship stuff it's definitely the best so like maybe arenas our best performances this year have always been in the Europeans and the men and the world men's really good ice when it's pretty fast and we've got more time to deal with the stone i think that's where it is best or when we're able to move it as much so probably a little softer surface what about the amount of rotation on the stone so you guys put a lot of rotation on the stone probably just about the most of anyone in that men's uh, side of things what impact do you think that has uh, you have able to use the brushes better with more rotation or less rotation what, what's your thought about that i think the more rotation that we're putting on for those kind of 12 weights is that if we do need to hold it straight, we can. And if we do need to curl it, because it's got that extra few rotations, like you saw with Nicholas's shot, that thing moved like crazy. It was going sideways by the end. <laughs> um, so we're obviously not putting that much rotation on. We're not putting like 50 odd or whatever it is. But I think when we're able to start carving it, we really get the thing going. And maybe that's down to the rotation. I'm not 100% sure, but... It's just a theory for now, but we're we're trying to see what it does. And I think the way that we throw it, we really like it, and we're, we're probably going to stick with it. So WCF has commissioned a new sweeping study. What's your thoughts on that? Do you think this is something that we really need to do and to find out exactly what's going on? And do you suspect there may be some rule changes as a result of this? Mm -hmm. what's, your, what's your opinion on it? Well, yeah, I think the more knowledge that we gain about it is probably the better. And it really then comes down to each team individually if they want to study it or not. Our game, I guess, is not only physical, but mental and strategic. So the students of the game are going to uh, start to come through if there's a lot more education and knowledge about it. I think it would be interesting to see what their results are. I've not personally seen it, but yeah, I would be interested to read the outcomes. It's kind of become common practice to uh, retexture the stones uh, with sandpaper partway through the competition. Do you like that idea? Do you think that's something that needs to be done or should it be uh, maybe discussed and maybe sometimes done, maybe not done other times? What's your thought about that? Yeah, I think the last few championships we've been to, it's always been like halfway through the week that they've been done. I know the Europeans was and definitely the men's was. I can't remember what day exactly, but for us, we like it when it is curling more because it means that we can take more ice obviously we're probably the the team that takes the least amount of ice just because of the extra rotations that we put on so yeah i quite like that they sanding the rocks halfway through events and it's been pretty good for us this year or this season even with the europeans and the world title do you find your uh, sweeping is more effective with the rocks once they've been sandpapered i've not noticed if it's better after or before but i know that as I've said, at championship stuff, it seems to be where we're really able to either hold it or uh, make it curl. Kevin? 
you know, I wanted to talk a little bit more about that shot of Nick's. Um, that was crazy stuff <laughs> to do to do on a the spinner. A, the sp- yeah, well, yeah, but more than that, over time, certain great players tend to change the boundaries of sport. And it doesn't matter if it's curling or baseball, it doesn't matter. Nick has maybe started something here. Well, Rachel Holman probably did first, and then now you, and then now we're going to Nick, where he can really alter the pool ball effect. Roy the Rock's going to bounce depending on how much spin with either one turn or the other. Is this going to maybe change things a little bit? When you're talking about a, th- a thick double across the house, if you can learn to throw five and a half seconds with 30 rotations or 40 rotations, the bounce off of the second rock is substantially different. But that's something somebody has to practice. Well, those crazy guys do. But is that going to maybe maybe change things a bit because it makes shots possible that never used to be possible? It has definitely opened people's eyes and uh, potentially some doors to what people can make. I would be very surprised if a team was able to come out and throw five and a half seconds with like 30 rotations. They would definitely have to do some wrist movements and strengthening for that. But it's unbelievable that shot that he made. And a lot of people have said it's the best shot that they've seen ever. And I would be one of them. It was like so good. Like it's hard to even describe the impact that that shot's going to have because I think a lot of teams are now going to go and practice those kind of shots just in case. <laughs> right. Obviously, it was like a, a game-saving kind of shot. So if you need to play something like that, it's good to have it in your locker. <laughs> but it might become commonplace. Yeah, It could well do, yeah. I know a lot of teams probably go and play those things in practice just for a bit of fun. And I'll give a wee shout-out to um, a guy called Cameron Bryce who made a shot like that in our Scottish Nationals. He had to play a split that was out almost on the 12-foot line. He threw a spinner and he made that shot. He made the split perfect. It was a great shot at the time and I was like, well, that's got to be up there with one of the best shots I've seen. And then Nicholas came and like made that shot. So I was like, oh, well, Nicholas maybe wins. But um, yeah, Cameron... He obviously like practices it just for a bit of fun in practice, and that's what practice is about. Like, go and have fun, try test the boundaries of what we're we're trying to do here. So, I think it could become common practice, and especially after this season, the amount of spin that you guys put on with the weight you can throw—it's so different than a person that puts two and a half rotations. You know what I mean? The, the release is different, and now you've got like Nick's was fifty some rotations, some crazy amount like that. Mm-hmm. But even if it's twenty rotations, it's something doable. It's just manipulating something, the stone, kind of like the carving does. Nobody ever thought of that just a few years ago with sweeping. And now all of a sudden, wait a minute here, we're, we're putting all this spin on the rock. Nobody ever did that. So it's kind of mm-hmm. neat to, I guess, transform our game for the kids. Like, that's what I always think about. How many kids right now, Bruce, around the world sliding out, <laughs> spinning that stupid rock and figuring <laughs> out what, what happens with it? I hope every single one of them is trying that. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go home and practice that when I get home. (laughs) It was so good. It probably doesn't pick. I'll tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) Spinning like a top uh, down there. You wouldn't notice if it did anyway. I want to mention a couple of things, Bruce. I want to talk about uh, your off season. But before we get to that, last rock in the first end. And I think this last week, it seemed to be more important than it ever was with regard to who ends up coming out the winner at the end of the day. What's your thought about this? Has this got to the point where it's really a concern as to how important that uh, last rock in the first end is? Well, I think the way that it's decided right now is good. I like that you have to 
have that nine minute practice and then compete for hammer i don't know what the actual percentages were at the men's but i think it's roughly between 60 and 65 percent win chance if you you start with hammer yeah so i quite like the fact that it's there and people have to compete and have to play a precision a precision i can't say that precision uh, yeah whatever a precision <laughs> shot <laughs> i can't say words either yeah <laughs> yeah um to actually get the hammer so it's like a it's a team shot and it's very important i quite like the fact that it's there and that obviously it's very important if you get the jump you get the two shot lead and that's probably what won us the final i think making the shot for two in the second end it kind of boosted our confidence it quieted the crowd a wee bit and i think brad and his team probably started that final thinking that they need to either force or steal to get us on the back foot and with the jump of two it really helped us to go and win that title i think yeah without question so this season is going to be over soon. You guys pretty much devote your lives completely to curling. What will you do between now and the start of the next season in preparation? Uh, you're going to be working in the gym. You got a chance to throw rocks over the summer. What's your preparation for next year? We get home after the Champions Cup and all four of us are just going to take some downtime completely off the ice. We're not going to throw rocks for probably two months. The boys and I have... Uh, full-time gym memberships obviously basically british curling have uh, staff that help us train so me and bobby who live in sterling we're gonna train in sterling with our gym coach three times a week and two conditioning sessions a week so basically it's five days a week when we're not on holiday or taking some downtime and hammy and grant that live in glasgow they're gonna do two strength sessions in glasgow and come up once a week to make sure that they're training with our gym coach and that's pretty standard for what we're going to do every summer it's our full-time jobs it's not an employment contract but we see it as that i suppose and that's our commitment to british curling is to continue working on strength and maintaining our fitness throughout the summer to make sure that when we come back on the ice we're ready to go maybe a wee bit of golf bruce <laughs> i'll be playing some golf yeah hopefully the summer is pretty sunny and we can get some good rounds but tends to be pretty wet and rainy and windy in Scotland, so I'm not very good at it. <laughs> <laughs> we had uh, a young girl uh, give us a question today in our email. She's 13 years old. She lives in a sort of underserviced part of uh, Ontario, down in northwestern Ontario, in a farming community, and she can't find uh, anywhere to curl. We had a little chat about that. Uh, everyone agrees you got to get the young people involved, and I thought maybe I'll ask you what Scotland does for junior curling and um you know how do how do they try and get kids started in curling and what sort of programs do you guys have i guess i'll start with saying that it's a bit of a scary situation in scotland right now with ice rinks like energy bills have been climbing and um, a lot of our ice rinks are struggling what is amazing to see is the members that we do have of the ice rinks and the volunteers that come and coach the kids that's been amazing some of the ice rinks have just been unbelievable. Like since COVID's kind of finished, we've seen a lot of people come back to the sport and especially in the grassroots stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we're really hoping that it can kind of continue and obviously the Olympics and hopefully this world championship title in Scotland can help encourage people to come back and try curling. But for the likes of this 13 year old girl who's maybe not able to get to an ice rink all the time try and watch as much curling as possible that's what the boys and i did growing up 
like we absolutely loved the sport and what loved to watch all the games that we could on youtube or recast or mm-hmm. wherever else you can find your your curling games it helped educate us on strategy and stuff and not only that it's such a big part of the game so you might as well like try and learn strategy and then when you get chance to go on the ice then that's when you learn the physical aspect of curling kevin has always said it's a little easier throwing some takeout weight in the first end of the first game of a round robin's a little different than going down in the hack to have to make a throw to win the world championship (laughs) it separates uh you know the, the the really good from the great Bring us inside your head, Bruce, about how do you handle nerves? What You've been in this situation so many times where you, where you do have to, you know, you've you got to throw a pretty good shot, you know, to win an event. Walk us through that when you've made the decision uh, on what the shot is going to be and, and now it's time to execute. What do you say to yourself? To be honest, I'm not really sure. It's just kind of become second nature to me. I don't like to be, like, riled up or, like, motivated really before a game i find that to be like almost the opposite of what i need i need to like chill out and calm down and right. uh, really focus so i have like playlists or uh, or i go for a walk or uh, have a coffee or something along those lines rather than like do a really good like team warm-up and someone motivates us and whatever and when it comes down to playing a shot i literally just take a few more seconds in the hack and i try not rush it i take a deep breath i focus on what i need to do and how I need to throw it and if I need to give it to the sweepers or if I need to to make it on my own or whatever. Those are the kind of key things. So really like play it back in your head before you're about to make the shot and really focus on how you're going to make it rather than panicking or rushing or those kind of things that can happen when you're a bit stressed. I work with a guy uh, on a podcast who who, uh, sounds very similar to when he had to throw big rocks particularly for the gold medal at the Olympics. Uh, <laughs> Bruce Mao, thank you very much for coming on. Congratulations. What a, what, what a huge deal, right? What, what can you say? How do you put it into words about winning uh, the world championships uh, to, to you and your players and to your country? Uh, boy, go and enjoy this. And uh, you probably can sleep standing up right now. Maybe you just have to lean against the wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I think I'll be doing that for a while anyway, but hopefully. Thanks a lot, Bruce, for coming on. Congratulations again. The, Thank you. The new world champion uh, in men's curling. Thanks, Bruce. Good luck. Thank you for coming on. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Listen to the Inside Curling podcast ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. So there he goes, your reigning world champion. Uh, I really like this guy. I said, you got to be freaking nervous. He's like, no, yeah, I don't. How about his answer, Kevin? He's like, I don't like to get too motivated. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't think he meant it exactly that way, but he said, I think 
sense was I don't like to get too excited, you know. Right, excited. I'm not I jumping think, up yeah. and down. I'm, I'm guessing Ben Hebert probably approaches it a little different, you know, running around <laughs> ripping his shirt open or something, you know. <laughs> ah, let's do it, boys. Uh, what? But what a cool customer, Kevin. Yeah, very cool customer, and uh, you can a really good leader because he doesn't he doesn't get upset. He doesn't go crazy. He wants a little bit of time by himself for the game and get his mind right and. And, uh, and he doesn't miss very much. So, uh, and he's so and, and young still, my God. So yeah. what's he going to win? It's, it's, uh, he's impressive. And, uh, but we've been saying it now for quite a while and right. it's just a matter of time. He'll get an Olympic gold too, at some point here and, and, uh, and he'll keep winning stuff. It's good. Good on him. And, but they have such a good team. Interesting point he makes about how he gets ready for a game and young people listening. This is something you have to determine individually, what you have to do mentally to get yourself prepared to play in any sport, and that varies from person to person. And as Jim said, Ben Heber probably does it a little differently than Bruce Mowat. <laughs> One thing, you know, when it comes to a lot of the young teams, they have to have this meeting before the game. Well, that would have killed me. Like, I, I, I'm kind of like Bruce, where I, I needed to go f- be by myself. Like, I would yeah, go for so a walk I. or something. I would show up for the game, since nobody say a word to me. Yep. I'm going to stretch, and then I go out on the ice. Still, I don't want to hear a word. And I used to stand at the end of the rink, which Bruce does quite a lot too and, and Brad Gushu definitely does and I would just concentrate just stay in the in the in the game and so like I didn't talk to many people I remember Mark Kennedy one time I was going down the ice and we had just given up a two or something I was going to say something I stood in front of him and Ben and and I, I looked and looked and looked and now nah, I got nothing to say so I turned and yeah. Mark, Mark yelled down the ice said nice talk skipper all that meeting stuff for me was was not not it it wouldn't work for me yeah no you know the question of what do you do when you actually get down in the hack and you gotta you gotta release uh you know you hear it in golf some of these guys go i, I don't like you have to get up and down there to win the masters or whatever right and what do you what do you think of when you're over the ball right and like a lot of high performance people uh bruce's answer was similar and he goes yeah i don't know <laughs> I don't, what did you go through are you like okay don't grab the rock too hard i don't know pray what do you I think the key thing in all that is to make sure that all your thoughts in that process are positive, uh, that you can never let a negative thought enter your mind in that uh, in those few moments before you're going to throw a shot. And uh, I think that's a challenge for people to, to get into a routine where they're thinking through the shot and exactly, okay, I've got this, this is what I'm going to do, and to never doubt yourself. And uh, those are things that people have to learn through repetition and through probably losing a few times as well as winning. Right on. Mailbag, brought to you by Nestle Boost. Complete nutrition to fuel your day. Dear Inside Curling, my name is Ellie Roden, and I live in southwestern Ontario, farm country. I'm 13 years old, and I love curling. My dream is to be a professional curler and go to the Scotties, but I'm not sure what steps to take to get there. I live in a small community where I am uh, the only female curler my age. I'm looking into uh, youth summer curling camps but wondering whether you have any suggestions for how to move forward. I enjoy listening to your podcast and especially enjoy how you and your guests are thinking of ways to promote youth curling. My little brother suggests offering free candies. (laughs) Uh, Ellie, that is a great email. Thanks a lot. So we don't have candies, but we got free advice. Kev, what do you say to that? Oh, geez. Uh, Thanks, Ellie, for the email. That's, That's awesome. 
Well, I guess I can relate pretty well. I'm from a town of, of a couple hundred people in Lougheed, Alberta, and there's I did have one other person that curled uh, from Lougheed. His name was Glenn Snethen. He was one year older than me, so we played together. But then to get a team, we had to go uh, at least Viking, if not further, which was about half hour away. So we had to go 40 minutes, you know, a long ways to get a team. So I can I can relate to what you're going through. And when I got done high school, then I moved to Edmonton, which is a near city, which is about two hours away. And there I found other curlers and, and so on. So it's not easy. You know, you're going to have to find players and uh, and they might be, you know, an hour away or something. But then when you get done high school, you know, you want to look into where you're going to go to school, be it a college or university, whatever it is. I went to college and that's where Jules Ochar was. That's kind of why I went there because they had the best curling coach. But for you, figure out how you're going to get three other players or at least one other player and play mixed doubles and then carry on. But that's my suggestion is get ready for, you know, go to school and and how are you going to approach that? Rob Kreps, who's in charge of the University of Alberta's varsity program, he gets a lot of phone calls from people from all over the world that are wanting to come to Edmonton, move to Edmonton, go to the University of Alberta and, and plan things that way. And there's lots of schools across Canada that compete in curling. So you want to get on one of them. As far as uh, summer curling camps, like obviously we run one in Edmonton. You're a little young for it. It's kind of a boot camp. But when you're 14 or 15, you'll be ready for that one. The Kevin Martin Curling Academy. It's, it's hard though. Reed Carruthers in Manitoba is a very good instructor. He runs camps. And I think Warren has maybe a little bit of information as far as Ontario camps. But it's important that you get to these camps because that's where you're going to meet kids that are like-minded with you that love curling and want to be good at it. So maybe that's where you're going to end up finding your your teammates going forward. Yeah, thanks for your email, Ellie. And uh, congratulations on your desire to become a top-level curler. Like Kevin... I grew up in a rural area north of Edmonton and uh, probably went through the same struggle as he did trying to uh, to move forward with the sport. And again, it wasn't easy. And in those days, uh, practicing was frowned upon. So to even get on a sheet of ice to throw some rocks, he usually had to become a good friend with the ice maker and uh, try and convince him that, well, that game over there is over in sheet four. Let me out there for a half an hour. So you're going to have those struggles. I would suggest get in touch with the Ontario Curling Association, Curl Ontario. And there's a number of camps, by my memory, that do take place in the summertime in Ontario. Also, it'd be good for you to touch base with them and tell them what your interests are. And they can maybe give you some direction as well as to what's happening in your area and kind of get on their radar from that point of view. So those would be my suggestions on what you might want to look at. And good luck. Would it be prudent for it to look at joining a boys team if they'd let her Kev or well I don't know I, I well there's certainly no problem with that the junior bond spiel I ran for 17 years it was open the teams that came in were four boys four girls or two and two or three and one it didn't matter right so there were uh, small town teams that came in with whatever uh, amount of girls and boys on the team so no problem no uh, there's no issue with with playing with you know, guys with girls, or it doesn't matter. And this idea of men and women having to play separately, unless they're in mixed or mixed doubles, it's pretty much a Canadian thing. The rest of the world curling is uh, at the recreation level. It's pretty wide open. You can have three men and one woman, or three women and one man, or whatever combination that you want in most recreational leagues. So it's going to become more so that way in Canada, I think, as time progresses. It is in some areas now, but uh, that's more or less a, a Canadian historic thing of having the men and women divided. Who it doesn't matter, you know, to, to have some fun and curling's the same. Like you're not playing for a national championship. You're there to have some fun, get some exercise, make friends, 
that's what it's all about. So it, it shouldn't matter at all, Jimmy. That was a great point. Yeah, just get a team together. And I know it's not easy with, from a small town because that's where I came from. Yeah. You know, we do talk a lot about it, right? About the youth. So, uh, and we always think, well, you know, what's, what's the difficulty in growing the game? And then you get this email, right, from this young girl saying, there's nothing going on here where, where I live. So great, great email, Ellie, and uh, good luck to you. Get back to us, Ellie. We want to hear how you're, how you're managing. Okay, here's another email uh, with some questions about brushing and how it might impact sweeping percentages. Uh, I think it would be interesting to hear a discussion of how the shooting percentages have changed since the advent of directional sweeping. Regards, Patrick. SPG Gillis. Not sure what that means, Patrick. If you're gonna if you're gonna give us uh, initials, I, I need to know the the, the full thing. <laughs> Kev, what do you what do you think about that? Well, it's funny. What a great timing for this email. Um, so yesterday, I'm actually in Buffalo now. I got my Buffalo Bull shirt on, cheering on the. There you go. Um, yeah. Michaela, our youngest. They have a double header today, so we took off. But yesterday, I was in Toronto, and I'll be there tomorrow again for the players. Where I had a uh, interview with Brad Jacobs and Reed Crothers yesterday. I had a great discussion with them after the interview, actually, as well about this carving and and Reed said on the, the top teams now with board weight, you probably have a, a foot of discrepancy as far as being close to the broom and making the shot. You can be four, five, six inches wide. doesn't matter. They can carve it to the nose. If you're a little tight, they can keep it dead straight all the way down the sheet. So yes, carving and sweeping is a huge influence on the percentages. Now, last week in Ottawa and two weeks ago in Sweden, I had meetings with World Curling Federation, various people. It's a concern how throwing, the technical side of throwing used to be so important. Now it's more about the sweeping. So what do we do? And that's, there's going to be a big sweeping summit this summer, top sweepers. They're going to make ice, all kinds of conditions, like the ones in Ottawa that were humid and the ice surface a little softer, like at the Briar this year where it was colder, it's a little bit straighter ice and, and uh, a very firm surface where carving didn't really help much. And so they're going to do all these studies and try to figure out what do we do? I know that Brad Jacobs yesterday said, why are we allowing carving between the hog lines? Just make it so you, the sweeper on the high side can't be closest to the rock until the second hog line. Mm-hmm. Just, just make that. So there's lots of discussion going on as to what to do, but what a great email. Thank you. And your timing is so perfect because right now it is the talk of curling right now is what do we do about this? Because conditions like Ottawa, carving was far too effective. In my opinion, I think it was too effective. Too effective? Too effective. What? You're controlling the game but with sweeping. It's not a technical game anymore, throwing, and we needed to get back to that. Reed Crowther said yesterday that 30% of the game is now technical throwing and 70% is sweeping and manipulation, where he'd love to see it 70% technical throwing, 30% sweeping and manipulation. Give the sweepers their due. Come on. Oh, they, they're getting good. Well, we'll change the name of the game, Jim, from curling to sweeping. <laughs> no, that, that wouldn't have played. Yeah, no, no, I'm not signing up, believe me. Yeah. <laughs> What's Happening Around the Curling World is brought to you by Sports Interaction. You want to bet? You can do it at Sports Interaction. Get in on the action. 
and make a play at Sports Interaction. You got to be 19 years or older to play and in Ontario only. So the World Men's Curling Championship concluded a couple days ago. Bruce Mowat, Scotland, took the gold. Canada silver and Switzerland won the bronze. Kev, give us your wrap-up of the whole 10 days. Well, it was a fantastic 10 days, to be honest. Um, Ottawa did a heck of a job. Dave Merklinger, the ice maker, that was his uh, last event. So thank you, Dave, for all you've done for our sport. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. He, the first event he did was in, I, I believe, 1990, I think he told me, in that same building. Yes. <laughs> Scotty's. And did a heck of a job. So great on Dave. Nice run. Um, the event, fantastic. Um, really good crowds the first weekend. Really good crowds the second weekend. So all of that was really good. The curling in the playoffs, you just had terrific competition with Nicodine taking on Brad Gushu, of course. That was a massive game, and, and mm -hmm. uh, Gushu got a monkey off his back there by winning that one. Canada and Semi didn't have a lot of trouble. It was tied up playing nine, but didn't have a lot of trouble with uh, Switzerland, in my opinion. But Italy had a split to win against Scotland and hit it perfect. It just, we ticked another rock. And, and redirected, they measured for the win, but it wasn't in. If he hits it just slightly, I talked to Sebastiano at, on the stairs yesterday, and I congratulate him on a tremendous Worlds. Mm -hmm. And he thought if he hit it a little thicker, it would have caught the second rock a little more and actually put turn on the stone, and then it would have spun in. And then I'm thinking a hair thinner, it doesn't tick the second rock, and he wins. So a hair thinner or a hair yeah. thicker. Oh man. <laughs> they win and go to the final, but instead they end up going into the semi and or into the bronze game and they lose to Switzerland. So and in Scotland, you know, a bit of good fortune not having that bite. And uh, they go on and just play an amazing final against Canada and congratulations to Bruce and, and company. My goodness, uh, at their age, watch out. You know, they they've won what they've won five grand slams now and now they got a world championship. Mhm. Mm Yikes. They're going to win a lot of stuff. Well, uh, Bruce Mount, we've been talking about for a long time now. So uh, well done. I can't. A little tick like that. Such a good shot. And he only had about 12 seconds left on the clock or something. Joel had no time to come down from the hack and have a look at the split. He just believed Amos and said, no, we'll play the split. Hit it perfect. But a hair thinner, a hair thicker, he wins the game. Really good. Really exciting stuff. That's like having a putt to go into the final of the world match play and it uh, hits the cup but bounces back out. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> oh, man. oh, man. Well, uh, good for them, though. Uh, good event. Uh, Warren, you watched it all week. Yes, I did, Jim, and it was, uh, again, pretty exciting curling. I think a few things I observed. We have parity, I think, at that world men's level and the women's like never before. I think any one of those final six teams could have won under certain circumstances. Mm-hmm. I think, again, it's emphasized to us how important the last rock is in that first end. It's becoming more and more important. Seldom does the team with hammer in the first end lose. Again, you get down that last end, same thing. And I, an interesting observation where I saw on more than one occasion a team preferring to be down two with the hammer going into the last end versus tied without. That's quite a stretch. So it's a, something to look at. Again, when, when everything becomes too predictable, that's been the problem curling's been facing now for many years. Then you haven't got the situation you want to have the game you want. So it's something that needs to be watched. The event is too long, uh, as is the Briar, which we've talked about many times. And I think that's something uh, the WCF and Curling Canada has to address going forward with both mm -hmm. those events. 
they've got to be cut down in time because it's a grueling grind on the players. It's difficult to have fans attend the entire event. It's just simply too long. Whether they go to a different playoff system, and maybe that is the answer, I'm not sure. And, of course, the other thing is those players are there for that virtually 10-day grind. And at the end of the day, there's there's no pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. And I think that's something else that's got to be looked at, that there should be some kind of financial reward for the teams that uh, get into the medal round. From Canada's point of view, we see a lot of grumbling on social media, but I think Canada should be pretty proud of their performance in both the men's and women's worlds. They came out with two medals. Mm-hmm. The only other country that did that was Switzerland. And uh, in the crowd that they're keeping today to come out with a silver and a bronze, I think is pretty good from Canada's point of view, and, and people should be pretty pleased from that end of it. Brad Gushu was the number one skip of the week. He curled 87.6% as an average. He was right on his numbers. The total attendance was 75,000, which uh, was probably pretty good. This is the problem with the World Championships in Canada. When Canada's on the ice, the building is, is uh, pretty full, and when they're not, it's, it's often empty. So mm-hmm. it's hard to get a big number, but... Uh, Interesting to note, the largest attendance ever for the men's worlds was in Edmonton back in 2007, and it was 170,000. That's a big number, 170,000. I was just going to say, you mentioned the wear and tear on the curlers. So yesterday, I ran into Gauta Nepstad, who's the lead on uh, Norway's team. And of course, Bendik Ramsfell had a problem with his wrists. Remember, they were taped up during the worlds and he couldn't sweep. So I just said, hey, you guys, ready to go here? <laughs> Gauta. I'm dead tired. <laughs> yeah. I'm dead. Like, because Benda couldn't sweep. So he, Gauta did most of the sweeping along with uh, Martin um, Susaka as well. But Gauta did the most. And then he's just pooped. <laughs> so here you are at the Players' Championship. And, you know, he just he swept for 12 straight days or 11 straight days, whatever the worlds are. <laughs> and you're just, you know, you're running on fumes. How stiff is the guy after he curls like that? You know, at the end of a day of a couple Maximum. of games or something. Are you doing the hot tub, Kev? What, what hot tub? The cold bath? What do you do after the massage? You need some rest. Yeah, hot water, rest, bourbon. Jim, you should have been around for the days of the corn brooms and twelve end games. Oh my god! Oh my god! Uh, no, no, I shouldn't have been. Uh, congratulations to Ottawa and uh, to all the competitors. And and uh, as you point out, Kev, uh, to Canada, way to go! Came away with some medals. Uh, that's always good. What should we do now? Oh, I got an idea. Let's go to our picks and let's see how we did. <laughs> Take your time, Hanson. Everyone needs well, to hear Kevin, this. Well, Kevin, you, you're going to have a hard time to believe this, but Jim actually did pick the winner. He picked Scotland. Didn't do too well with uh, two and three because neither one of them made Sweden or Norway the final four. Doesn't matter. But Scotland did win, so... Congratulations, Jim, on picking the winner. Thank you, Warren. Kevin got two of the teams in the final correct, Canada, Scotland, but in the wrong order. Italy was his pick for bronze, and they didn't make it. Warren picked all three, but in the wrong order, having picked Switzerland, Scotland, and Canada in that order. Just reverse them a bit, and bingo would have been there. But Jim, <laughs> you're the man. You're the man. Thank you very much, Warren. <laughs> must kill you to say that, Hanson. It must kill you to say that. <laughs> if I do nothing else all year. <laughs> Kevin, no rest for you. The fifth Grand Slam of the season is underway. The Princess Auto Players Championship is in Toronto. You're going to be starting your broadcast on Thursday. Give us your little summary, Kevin, of how it's shaping up and who might be the winners of the big bonus deal of the year, which is the Pinty's Cup. 
Yeah, well, let's talk about the Pinty's Cup first here. So on the women's side, um, Carrie Anderson's, of course, had just a tremendous year. So they're they're leading actually with 39 points right now. So that's a fairly big lead. Holman is at 31. And then you go down to Gim and Fujisawa. Gim at 26, Fuji at 22. Okay, so that's kind of where that stands. Keep in mind that the winner gets 25 points, though. And then second place, 19, and then 15. So Nicodine, he's at the top at 35. Guju at 31, and then Retornaz and Botcher are at 24 each. So the men's is still pretty wide open. Dunstone 23, Mao it's actually at 20. So because with 25 for the winner, everybody's still sort of in it on the men's side. Women's, though, it's kind of a two-horse race between Anderson and Holman for the Pinty's Cup. The event, I watched the ice yesterday, and it looks great, of course. Uh, Mark Shirk, ice maker, doing what he does best. He's done every slam pretty much since it started 20-some years ago. So to me, the event, the Players' Championship is huge. I did a bunch of interviews with a lot of the players prior to the event, which we do before the big Grand Slam events. And somebody said, uh, well, this is the biggest event of the year, so so th- this is what matters to us. It's, it's viewed very highly. Uh, as for a pecking order of who's who, because this is the best of the best. There's only 12 teams, two pools of six. To get here, you have to be in the top 12 in the world, period. Oh, So to win this event is really tough. The world championships that, that Bruce just won is really tough when you get to the playoffs, but the whole field isn't equal. You can kind of pick the top six or you know, out of maybe top seven. Here, good luck. Yeah, it's tough, and it's kind of two events in one, too, Kevin. So they're playing for the uh, Princess Auto Players' Championship. They're playing for that. Uh, prize pool, but then as you mentioned, the Penty's Cup with seventy-five thousand being the top and forty the second. So there's uh, lots of dollars in the line here for the players at this event. Did you ever think, Warren, there'd be a day where you might be able to curl and win seventy-five thou? Well, Jim, in my day, seventy-five thou was like seven hundred and fifty thousand is now. So <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> we were playing for snowmobiles and cars and things like that. <laughs> oh, is that yeah? Of course, yeah. Back in the day, right? When did the cash come along? The cash spiels, Warren. When did they start? When someone got four snowmobiles, they said, this is enough. <laughs> uh, one occasion that we won eight snowmobiles in a month, two different events. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I was being funny. I didn't know that. <laughs> uh, but actually, the first big cash spill, this is, this is a good question because uh, we won it. And it was back in 1972 in Prince George. And first money was $3,000. And that was probably three times more than anything had been played for in a regular cash spiel up until then. So right. that was a big deal, $3,000. Big one. Kevin, is, is there a big oilman's thing here? What, like, what's the biggest bond spiel? The bi- oh, with uh, the amount of teams, you mean, now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like, uh, there's, that's not really as big a thing as it used to be. Um, oh, is that right? Warren, okay. I don't know. You might know of some with tons and tons of teams nowadays, but they, we used to have the Northern Alberta bond spiel, NACA put it on, and there was the MCA, and... Spiel, and then they would have hundreds of teams. But that's kind of not the way it is anymore. No, it's kind of dwindled, hasn't it? I mean, those events were a week long. I can remember that right. uh, City of Edmonton Bond Spiel. It wasn't as big as Manitoba, but it was probably a couple hundred teams Yikes. playing in about 10, 12 events. And so, and it was every curling club in the city was part of it. The biggest challenge was you finished playing in one curling club and to figure out where the next one is you had to go to and how far away it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure back in that day, Kev, I think you said that. A guy might have had a beverage or two between uh, draws. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, and it was a week long and, and uh, talking about snowmobiles. So uh, I was curling with Brad Hanna, a really good guy and a, a good curler from Edmonton here. And uh, we won golf clubs, Ping I 2s back oh, in the wow. day. Wow. Yeah. yeah, I still hit them sometimes. Do they have the copperheads? You are getting old if you have those. 
Yeah, I didn't have the copperheads, no. But <laughs> but the ping eye twos, and uh, people give me a hard time. I take them out and hit it with them because they're great clubs. And I don't know what year that would have been. I have no idea. Early nineties, I think. But there's a hundred and twenty some teams in it, and like the snowmobiles, it was golf clubs. <laughs> I wish I hung out with you, Warren, back in the day. That would have been fun. I could have helped your team, Jim. You were really too. Good. You were too young. You would have been the mascot. I was too young. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's the deal. Uh, Eight women's uh, teams and eight men's make the playoffs uh, in this event. We're not going to put you through uh, us picking eight teams each. We're teaming up to do our picks. I'll pick three. Warren's going to pick three. Kevin will pick two. I'm going to go with the front runners. Okay. And the women's, I'm going to go with uh, Anderson, Holman, and Fujisawa. I will go with uh, Gim, Laws, and Hasselberg. Dun, 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 dun. I will go with Grandy and Vrano. It'd be freshies. Have they won yet? You're right. They're fresh. But this is interesting. None of us picked her in Sony for probably good reason. They're they're uh, pooped. They're burnt out. <laughs> yeah, oh. they're, they're pooped out. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, we didn't pick Jonesy, Terenzoni. Shydigger's team. It's, it's not it's not Shydigger this week. No. Um, but I think you're right. I think that the fresh ones are going to have the best shot in this event. I had a really tough time not picking Tabitha, though. Like, they're curling really good, but it's just a really tough field. And you'd like, right. I, I didn't pick, well, how do you not pick Terenzoni, Jones, or, or Peterson? And, and Tabitha won her first game. The fresher ones are going to have the best shot at this one. Right. And Jonesy made our new uh, segment, uh, Hearing Life. Her name is in there, so stick around, uh, and we'll tell you all about that. Okay, men, Watcher, Dunstone, and Brucey Baby. Bruce Mowat. Mowat, really? Mm-hmm. Well, I okay. did okay with him last week. Thank you, you very did. much. Okay, I'm going to pick a team I think that's going to do really well, and that's White and Aden. And probably can't overlook Cooey. That was my three. All right. Okay. Kev, two two for you. Uh, just to let you know, Jimmy, Bruce uh, Mowat's at 0-2. He just lost to Carruthers just now. So Did I say Mowat? But that's okay. I meant, I meant, I meant, I meant. Yeah. No, he can still get in. He, had to, he has got to win his last three. So I've got to pick Retornaz. Oh, geez, wait a second here. With, with you picking Mowat, I've got the goo, which which I got to pick Brad. Just for the Retornaz. Name. But then there's but then there's Carruthers with Brad Jacobs for goodness sakes, and I can only take two. How how do I leave one of Gushu Retornaz <laughs> well, or you know. Carruthers out? All three are going to make the playoffs. So I just pick. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm going to make somebody mad. <laughs> no. Brad's still curling really good, so I got to take. And Retornaz is—they're curling great. They—they—they they, they beat Mao at the first game. This is this is really difficult. Sorry, Crothers, Reed, and Brad. How how do you not pick them? But I can't pick three, so that's it. I'm picking uh, Guju and Retornaz, and we're leaving out Brad Jacobs with Crothers for goodness sake. The other one that could probably do quite well is Dropkin as well. We have to leave out sure that. and sure. Ransfell. Well, no, we could do this all day, boys. Okay, you <laughs> just pick eight. Okay, we've got our eight, so this will be interesting to see Friday. Okay, there we go. A Hot Rock Topics is brought to you by Coyote Tractor. If you have work to do, Coyote has the tractors, UTVs, and ZTRs to do it. Coyote, we dig dirt. Uh, so Chris asked the question of why it seems that the WCF desires the rocks to have four feet of curl, Curling Canada wants five feet of curl, and the slams want six feet of curl. This is a great question. Why do these differences exist, or is it really the direction given? And how can it be controlled? Uh, and what if uh, at a WC event, all of a sudden, 
It's curling six feet. Good question, Chris. Kev? Well, that's the trick of the ice maker, isn't it? So we have these terrific ice makers. But remember at the Grand Slams, they're only eight end games and not nearly as long of an event. Mm -hmm. It doesn't go for as many days. The rocks don't erode or the scratchiness wear off of them. Mark Shirk likes to get a good, like, five and a half, six feet of curl. Near the edge of 12 to draw the button. It's fantastic. And the keener, the better. I always like the more curl and the keener, the better chance we'd have to win. That was the way we always looked at it. And in the Worlds, why they don't only want four feet, I don't know that. They actually had a little bit more than that at the Worlds. They're into the 12 foot a bit to draw a button. But still really good ice. And why four feet, I don't know the answer to that. But uh, it's easier to keep four feet of curl because with a long event like that where they're running for so many days and they do sand, have to sand in the middle of the event. Right. So you, so you do get a little more aggressive ice right after sanding the stones, of course. Mm-hmm. But they try to keep it at four feet. And I think because of the length of the event, probably. Otherwise, if they wanted six feet of curl at the Worlds, they'd have to sand the rocks every three days, every two days. And I, I think the Worlds as well, their philosophy has always been that most of the countries in the world are playing with stones that are probably duller than sharper. So they're used to having conditions that are fairly straight. So they don't want to produce a scenario where they're coming into a Worlds of all of a sudden there's this six feet of curl that they're completely not familiar with. So I think that has been their thought process on it. It's very much controlled by the ice makers by how they apply the sandpaper to a very large degree as to how many pulls they do and to what grit they use. And also the ice surface can have a great impact on it as well. So these very good ice makers can, in fact, uh, control it. I I think it's interesting, Kevin. I was talking to Mark Langer yesterday, and I said, uh, I was thinking there quite often there was uh, probably closer to six feet of curl at the world level. Uh, What's going on there? How'd you get away with that? And he just laughed. (laughs) So I guess I guess when you're doing your last event, you don't care, right? <laughs> but it was a little more curl than normally you'd see at a, at a WCF event, certainly more than there was in uh, in Sweden. If you had to pick, Kevin, would you rather have four feet of curl or six feet? Six. Six yeah. and keen. Keener, 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 keener. As keen as possible and as much movement, uh, the better teams will, will end up winning on that. The more curl, Jim, the greater the skill of the player will be tested. Right. When you say keen, what do you mean? Fast. 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 Okay. Faster the better. Yeah. It's like me. Keen and fast. <laughs> Just like your forehead. <laughs> oh, 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 I'm getting digs from Hanson. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, listen, old man, if you want us to repeat all the topics, okay, we can go over it again. Uh, very good. Uh, thanks a lot to Chris. Okay. Our new segment, What Are You Hearing? Brought to you by Hearing Life. If vision places the world in front of us, Hearing places us at its center. Hearing Life invites you to love your ears with a free hearing test. No referral needed. Visit hearinglife.ca to book your free hearing test today. We're hearing something about the Jonesy team. Uh, They got a player who's not going to continue with that team next year. Kev, what do you know about all this? Well, actually, I don't know much. I tried to find out this morning, but the team, they were on the ice this morning, so I tried to reach out to them. But you know what? I think more of a general statement um, um, with the young players. Mackenzie Zacharias, it sounds like, is deciding on on her future, um, which is really important at that age. Like, Mackenzie's what, Warren, 23, 23. I think? 23. So not a very young person. And, and that happens in life, where she's a fantastic curler, as good as you get at that age. But she's really smart. 
do and needs to decide, okay, what path am I going to go in this life? You know, mm-hmm. not everybody chooses one or the other. And um, that's something that, you know, the sport has to deal with. All sports have to deal with and curling is one of them where these uh, young athletes are curlers for the most part are, are really quite intelligent because it's curling is a chess game basically on ice. So they're intelligent people and, and they have great opportunities. So, you know, whatever Mackenzie chooses is hundred percent. And, you know, we just wish her the best of luck with whatever direction she decides to go. Warren, what's going to happen with the best mixed doubles teams? Some announcement came out this week. Yes, I think one of the best mixed doubles teams for the last five or six years has been the combination of Nancy Martin and Tyrell Griffiths. And they announced also a couple of days ago that they will not be continuing as a unit. Uh, I kind of suspect I see that Nancy has been announcing a women's team uh, over the last couple of weeks that she was uh, putting together. So maybe she's going to put more of her emphasis on that than mixed doubles. But again, they have been very successful. They haven't won the Canadian championship, but I think they lost two finals. So that's Mm -hmm. another team that's uh, not going to be together come next year. Okay, there we go, boys. Another show in the books. Uh, Boy, if you're in Toronto, Maple Leaf Gardens uh, is where that's being held. Uh, the old Maple Leaf Gardens, of course. Uh, make your way over there. Someone told me that the refurbish on that place, Kev, has made it like super cool, that whole building. Well, yeah, they moved the floor up uh, like a long ways. So now it holds about, I'm going to say, 5,000 people. It's a really nice size arena. Um, and we get really good crowds at the players. Underneath is the Loblaws. Oh. Like where the floor used to be. So uh, the cement floor in the Loblaws, the center ice button, yeah, is is on the floor, like where it used to be, oh. <laughs> is on the floor in the law of laws. It's a very very cool. Yeah, pop oh, cool. on down and see everybody for sure. And if you can't get there, uh, it's going to be on all week. Uh, Sportsnet brings you wall to wall coverage starting uh, Thursday morning, uh, so check it out. And uh, Kev, you you get back to doing what you're doing. Uh, Warren, I'm sorry I missed you uh, on my trip when I was west. Actually, I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry, actually. <laughs> I was recovering from COVID, Jim. So you, I know. You I forgot. You wouldn't yes, want to come so. and visit me. Yeah, <laughs> you, you poor soul. Well, I'm glad you're better. You're, you're here to talk about it. Uh, we want to thank uh, Rod Paulson uh, and his company, In-House Strategies, who does all the great work on Facebook. Our Facebook group is uh, growing all the time. And uh, check it out. Warren weighs in on a lot of stuff there, and uh, we'd love to read it. Send us an email if you'd like. Inside Curling at gmail.com and thank you to all our sponsors sports interaction coyote boost hearing life and Goldline, who make all of this possible kevin take it easy brother we'll uh we'll be watching you this week make us proud would you make us proud <laughs> warren are you proud of me uh, i'm always proud of you jim thank you warren that's good don't don't say anything more just stop right there okay <laughs> talk to you next week we're gonna do a update show though before we do that on uh, saturday morning right it'll be out saturday morning Yep. Right on. Talk to you later, boys. Take it easy. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks, Jimmy. Thanks, Jim. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. 
Broomgate. Available now.